You're listening to Bow Down to Us, the games edition. A gaming podcast for people who want honest opinions by freaks with nothing better to do with their time. Here's Roger and his crew. Okay, I think I have a tweet of the day. Girlfriend chastised me for robbing a child's clothing store. She doesn't understand I need to pay for my daughter's zombie medicine. <laughs> Speaking of zombies, dude, my son and I um, have been playing The Sacrifice on Left 4 Dead, and it is freaking tough. That shit is yes. tough. <laughs> like, I mean, and I, I picked him up the package deal of Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2, and I know it's a mature rated game, but I told him there was conditions with the game, and basically you can only play with me, and we set it up so the volume's off. I mean, zombie blood and killing, that I'm fine with. Um, and so we've been playing together, and he absolutely loves it. And uh, and so we've been playing The Sacrifice. And now this kid is a freaking Team Fortress 2, like, pro. Okay, like, that was, that was his game for the longest time. He still plays it all the time. Back when you actually had to work for the achievements to get the extra gear before they just started handing them out to everybody, he had a crap load of them because he was getting all the freaking achievements. So... And I've played with him because I bought him Team Fortress 2 for his own account as well. So we play together. And uh, Little Bastard's good. Like, I know if I can dominate him, I actually feel good. <laughs> it's like, I know I'm doing something right because <laughs> I just killed you three times in a row, you little bastard. Who's your daddy now? Still me. <laughs> and um, and so when we're playing Left 4 Dead, he's good. He's freaking good. So, like, he's got my back and he knows how to play he knows the tactics too. I mean, he'll, he'll actually go in front of me when we are squaring off against a horde that's coming our way, but he'll go a little to the side and he'll crouch so that he's not getting any of my ammo and I can easily shoot, shoot over his head, like all these little things, or he'll have again, my back while I'm shooting the front. And I very rarely have to even say anything. He's it's great. So we've been having a blast, but even then the, uh, Joe, have you actually been playing this yet? Uh, very, very little. I haven't really had time to sit down and play it. I want to, but I also think I'm going to wait and probably poke, uh, I'll poke our, our little buddy Rick and see, cause he's still the second coming of Jesus and love for dead. Um, so I see I can get him to play co-op. Well, actually I'll play with you too. Hell, hell we'll get Tristan in as well and, awesome. uh, and have some fun. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, there's, there's only three chapters. The story wise, it's just a... They're looking to get onto an island. They're looking to get a sailboat to get onto an island because an island is more defensible in Bill's opinion. And that's pretty much it. The funny thing here, too, and now this is this may be common knowledge and I just don't know, but for some reason we've been playing Left 4 Dead 2 together and we're doing the sacrifice and it's only been the dudes from the first Left 4 Dead. So mm -hmm. I don't know if you have to beat it and then you unlock the new crew or how, what the hell. I thought the uh, the the add-in for Left 4 Dead 2 was that you were able to play that the original Left 4 Dead first mission in Left 4 Dead 2, not that you could play the passing with the characters from 2. Or the sacrifice. That, that see, too. I, I, I got it mixed up last see, week. I thought there was a, right this week. I thought it worked for both of them. I thought you had different um, stories for both, but it was basically a sacrifice for both. Obviously, I was wrong, but... Um, but I mean, it, it, it's it, it's freaking tough. There's only three chapters. There's not a ton to them, but they're tough. They're they're really bloody tough. The last one, especially the last chapter, is actually um, it's really short. 
you're not covering a, a, a very wide distance either, a long distance. It, you're not going very far. You got to start up three generators. Once you figure out what to do, then it's not as bad. It took us a little while to kind of figure out where everything was towards the end to make it work properly. But even then, on normal, now if we did it now, now knowing everything, I think we'd be all right on normal. But we had to drop it down to easy after trying a half dozen times and dying and dying and dying. I mean, you got crap loads of of charging tanks coming your way, throwing bricks and everything. Like, it is bloody tough so we um we dropped it down to easy and then well quite easily beat it at that point so we'll try it again on normal after i was actually disappointed i don't want to ruin it for anybody but i was disappointed at the end i was i was expecting that there'd be more at the end the the actual sacrifice is really not that big a deal i mean it is in terms of the story but in terms of what you see and what happens is really not much to it and then the um the 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 cutscene, if you want to even call it that, is is nothing. So I was kind of disappointed at the end. the The actual DLC itself was a blast. It was really really cool. But the the cutscene was like, mm, it's not that big a deal. I kind of heard that too. So and and well, there's there's no way you can get around it. I mean, it's not. It, it, you're not again. I I don't want to ruin too much here. It's just that. There's next to nothing, put it that way. And also, like, it's quite obvious, like, one of the dudes is you're sacrificing one of your guys. However, you're not really sacrificing one of your guys. You're sacrificing yourself as a player. Or if there's two of you, then one of you is going off to do something at the end. And you you, you know who's going to die. The dude that's going back in the mobs is the one that's going to bite it. And so whoever stays back and mans the big gun is actually doesn't see much so like <laughs> my son was watching at the end i saw the little little bit of what happened and then my son said all he saw was zombies swore me and then it was that was it that was the end he didn't see anything so again considering the the legacy they're they're leaving behind with this game i really would have liked to have seen more for this especially considering the how much they 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 like the trailer really says so much about this like it's a poet like one of your dudes is dying it's it's epic you know shot a freaking zoe on the bridge with the guns going either side like it's supposed to be epic it really kind of wasn't at the end yeah i'm, I'm definitely I, I i'm getting that but i don't know oh, it's definitely kind of appropriate for being the fact that it's a dlc based around the first set of characters though i mean i didn't kind of expect a stupendous ending just you know kind of a decent one yeah, well, I would have liked more, definitely. And But the DLC as a whole was still a lot of fun, and it is quite challenging. Like, it was at times pretty tough, and that's just on normal. So I would not want to be doing that last one on anything harder than normal, because holy crap in hell. <laughs> like, I mean, again, <laughs> when you got six freaking chargers on you, it's, yeah, no, that's there, there's no fun in that at all. So I'm actually going to be bowing out right now for everybody who's listening in the live audience. This is actually the Canadian Thanksgiving 
So we've got the family here and we're all doing all kinds of fun stuff. And uh, I'm sure rock band's going to be broken out pretty soon just to get the boyfriends to sing. Because what's the point in being a father if you can't embarrass the boyfriends? And so I will be (laughs) handing everything over to Vince, same as last week. He's going to be doing the show for the games and then they will be switching off. And Joe, of course, will be doing the lore episode as well. So it's the same old recording, only without me. Which, you know, your mileage may vary who you ask. Some people prefer it that way. So everybody have a fantastic uh, show. Keep in mind that the podcast is actually are going to be released also a couple of days late. And that's simply because of work right now and unavoidable. So the podcast will be released on Thursday this week as opposed to tomorrow or Wednesday. And with that, I'll let you guys go. Have a great show and I will talk to you guys later. Later, Roger. Later, man. So again, thanks to Roger for stopping in. Uh, he's becoming quite the little contributor there, isn't he, Joe? He is. He is. But you know, yeah. it's still the it's still the uh, the the Vince and Joe show. So you know, and yeah, maybe maybe we'll we'll bring him on for a larger role one of these days. <laughs> well, we're gonna roll right in with some bad news, <laughs> and that bad news is that Little Big Planet Two for the PlayStation Three has been delayed. It will not be coming out before Christmas this year. Instead, it has been delayed. From what they said, a couple weeks until 2011, presumably sometime in January. And I have to kind of agree with what the developers said here. It's like, yeah, we could have shipped the game as is, and it could have been a great game. But they didn't want to release an almost super awesome game. They wanted the game to be as super awesome as it could be. So they decided to delay it by you know a few weeks, just give it that polish that, that a Blu-ray quality game should have. And they didn't want to release it as is and then fill in the gaps with patches because, as they say, uh, some players don't have their PlayStations online to get the patches, to which I question who the hell doesn't have their PlayStation online? You know, there, there could actually be a ton of people, you know, the people that don't pay their Internet bill, you know, and then they're, they're not online anymore. But no, like, kind if, of a, if they're not online, they don't need to be buying $60 games. <laughs> yeah, but they're buying the sixty-dollar game, so they don't have to be online to play it. Just saying. But ultimately, pushing it back, I think, was a very smart move because the game promises a hell of a lot. I mean, let's be honest: the game is essentially a sandbox creation kit for whoever purchases it. You can create your own games out of it. I mean, look at the the preview that we saw at E3, right? Uh, look when Sony gave their presentation. When they hit the stage and they talked about Little Big Planet Two, they talked about all the different types of games they were making: real-time strategy games third-person shooter type games, platforming games, all sorts of things that are able to be built on this engine. Of course you're going to want to make sure this thing is as rock solid as possible because it's got so much in it. So I can completely understand and I completely agree with pushing it back until it's ready. I'd rather have, I'd rather be forced to wait for a game and have it released when it's ready than have it rushed and be said, well, my game would be good, but it's got all these bugs. I mean, we've seen how bad a buggy game can be. Pushing something back to make sure it works, I'm completely okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. I would rather have The Old Republic than Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, God. <laughs> Which, from what I've been reading online, is actually even worse than I thought it was. And if you read my review, you know that's not very good at all. <laughs> we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I have I have some interesting things that have popped up about that with people I know. <laughs> oh, boy. That sounds like fun. Well, sticking on the MMO thread, uh, we have gotten word of a new, uh, I don't even want to call this a handheld because it's bloody big. And I don't know if you could really hold it in your hands terribly comfortably, but a new quote unquote mobile device from Panasonic (laughs) called the Jungle. 
And the jungle, they are saying, was designed specifically for MMO gameplay on the go with an HD display, a full keyboard and some goofy touchpad, D-pad, weird looking thing that's not doesn't even look like it's in a comfortable place to use on the controller. And uh, it's interesting. They said it's going to launch with a Battlestar Galactica online game as well as their TV series called Online Underground. And uh, I don't know, this, this thing... It just seems unnecessary. Well, I'm kind of intrigued, I guess would be the best way to put it. The reason I'm intrigued is because it's been how long since we've had a new contender in the handheld market. We've It's been Sony or Sega and Nintendo for as long as I can possibly remember now at this point. The end age. Yeah, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> that doesn't really count. That was more of a cell phone. Anyway, um, but... To, to really put out there how many how many people have really attempted to break into that market. So I give, you know, Panasonic a little bit of credit for trying. Um, it looks like it's actually fairly handled. If there's a size comparison, if you go to visit uh, the Engadget site there, uh, where they have it sitting very close to a, a regular keyboard. So it's not terribly big. Um, so I'm kind of excited to see how it goes. It's got a full QWERTY keyboard. Uh, it could be pretty interesting. It could actually be one hell of a way to get, you know, your gaming on the go fix for these MMOs. Could you imagine being able to log in, not just through a mobile device to play in the auction house and like, wow, but to sit there and, and load this up and, you know, log into a full blown MMO straight from this device and just, you know, well, I'm, I'm at dinner with the family. Well, dinner kind of sucks. Eh, fucking I'm in a game and just load it up. I mean, how awesome would that be? Oh, it's definitely a great concept. I, I don't know. I just don't like the aesthetics of the device from what we've seen so far. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it does have a small footprint, but it just seems hefty and bulky. And I, it doesn't seem to me like something that would be very comfortable to hold in your hand for an extended period of time. And let's face it, if you're playing an MMO, you're likely playing you know, it for an see, extended period of time. Here's the thing, though. You know what it reminds me of, the shape of it? It reminds me of the old Dreamcast controller shape. The way that the oh, science, yeah, and that was a model of ergonomic engineering. <laughs> well, it's, I played the hell out of that thing, and I, I mean, my hands are a little bit weird, I guess. I, but I still have a I, divot in my thumb from that D-pad, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but I don't, I mean, I never had a problem with it, but it looks roughly about the same size uh, as the, the actual controller for the, uh, the Dreamcast, to put it kind of in perspective. So I don't know. I mean, I, I would be excited to get my hands on it. So, you know, Panasonic, if you happen to be listening, I'll be more than happy to test this out for you. But yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of excited. I want I want to see how this does. I want to see how it goes, because it would also make like I'm going to be going to BlizzCon. That would make it absolutely hilarious to just be able to say instead of having to carry around like a 17 inch laptop, just load it open and be like, oh, well, eh, let's go play. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely something to keep your eyes on. Although, of course, price point is going to be a major factor, especially considering it's coming from Panasonic, the makers of the most expensive video game console ever. All right. Very, well, we're going to. Yeah. We're going to move on to some Red Dead Redemption. Uh, why don't you go with this one, Joe? Okay, Red Dead Redemption adding free outfits and jackalopes. Okay, um, hunting and trading outfits pack is going to be released for free on uh, Tuesday, October 12th. So by the time you guys are listening to this from the recording, it'll already have been out. for. It'll be out for PSN and Xbox Live. Uh, the DLC's savvy merchant outfit will grant the wearer power to purchase guns and ammo for half price. 
that's pretty awesome because there's some good guns in that game that you get later on that are fairly expensive. Not that money is really a concern because every time you murder somebody, you can always rifle through their pockets and take shit. Or every time you kill an animal, you can sell their pelt. Um, but it's kind of awesome. Um, and there's a pelt and hide adorned expert hunter outfit that will double the amount you earn from selling your skin trophies. That's awesome. Again, hunting in the game is something you can do recreationally. There's a lot of challenges based around hunting or shooting down birds or, you know, killing mountain lions and taking their crap. Um, so getting a little extra money for that is always good. It's a nice little bonus. And if you're like me, uh, you went through and tried to collect every single outfit in the game or every single piece of everything in the game because, well, you have nothing but time on your hands or you're just that obsessed with the Old West. But the best part about this is uh, instead of getting just the free outfits, they're going to be adding a jackalope to the game. Now, the jackalope is a jackrabbit with freaking antlers. This is a mythological creature. Now, if you remember growing up, I don't know if you guys did, but you watched the old uh, America's Funniest Home Videos. They had an entire oh, yes. thing with just the jackalope. And it's just absolutely hysterical that they're going to add something like that into this game because I, I, I know for me, I'm going to fucking try to hunt this thing down because I want to find one. I want to find one in-game. Uh, and this comes at a time where it's going to be uh, it's right before the zombies in the wild, the wild west edition that's going to be released. It's a nice little free DLC. You don't have to charge. They're not charging us seven dollars for a fucking visor. They're giving us two outfits and a mythological creature to go hunt down. And the outfits are actually useful. Yeah, very cool. It's a great way that they're keeping the game alive in between paid content updates. That That's. That's really cool from Rockstar. I really have to give them props for that. And maybe once I get that stupid trailer out of my head, I'll actually play the game. <laughs> so uh, hmm. we're going to move on to something interesting. And by interesting, I mean, Jesus. And that's Jack Thompson. Jack Thompson, the former lawyer. I say former because he was disbarred by the well, whoever does that, I don't really pay much attention. But anyway, he's a professional crackpot uh, who's basically had a crusade against violent video games, uh, trying to make them completely illegal. And uh, I don't want to go into too much detail about what this knucklehead has said over the years, but I will quote his letter. And this isn't a letter to the press, a letter to, you know, whoever. This is a letter to Robert Gates, the United States Secretary of Defense. <laughs> And it wait, says, wait, 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 mull that over, people. Mull that over. Secretary yeah. of Defense. Continue. Okay. And it says, quote, with all respect for everything else on your plate, because uh, let's face it, the Secretary of Defense doesn't have much else to do right now. Uh, but as someone who has represented the surviving family members of such video game caused massacres, I personally urge you as Secretary of Defense to do what is necessary, proper and legal to stop the release of Medal of Honor on October 12th on the basis that it poses a demonstrable danger to our troops by providing a training tool for those who wish to kill them. I would also <laughs> strongly suggest that the department or that the defense department find out who these special ops people are who have acted so foolishly in this regard. I'm assuming they mean the uh, the, the people who have soldiers that supported it. Yes, them. Finally, I believe the full weight of the federal government should come down upon Electronic Arts and the Video Game Industries Entertainment Software Association for their allowing, presently and fraudulently, despite promises to Congress, the widespread pre-sale of this adult game to minors throughout the country and around the world. 
can I point something out real quick here? Now, there was this whole big debacle we talked about last week or was the week before about the censorship of the video games in which you are no, the, the EA was no longer allowed to call the opposing enemy faction the Taliban. They weren't allowed to bring that up. They weren't allowed to have that name put on them. However, they, they caved and said, okay, we'll name it something else. That's fine. Everything else remains the same. But the United States government, the people who run the military bases in which GameStops position themselves to sell these games said, oh, that's cool. Thanks. We're okay with everything else about the game. That was the only problem we had. So why, Mr. Jack Thompson, are you bothering? Because quite clearly, I, I would trust a three, four-star general or any sort of administration in the military to have a better opinion on what is what is a danger to our security than you, you crackpot ex-lawyer. By the way, please go set yourself on fire and sit down because I am so tired of hearing this shit. Seriously. Seriously. It's already been taken care of and you have to push that. Well, it gets funnier because we're, we get a little... Uh look into the psyche of Jack Thompson and exactly what he thinks of the gaming culture as a whole, because uh, somebody responded to his ramblings about uh, mentioning that Medal of Honor had changed the name of the Taliban to the opposing force and wanted his comment on it. And his comment is again, quote, sure, I win again as usual. Any gamers who don't think so and who don't appreciate what I do to protect our culture can go to hell. And please add, any gamers that don't know how to get to hell on an expedited basis, let me know and I'll send along the cheat code to get there more quickly. <sighs> Class act as usual. I mean, seriously. Right. So he, he's just essentially offered to instruct children how to commit suicide. Congratulations, Jack. You are now a monster beyond all measure. All right. Seriously. I'm going to boil this down very simply. Uh, in my personal notes for the show. This entire segment consists of three words. <laughs> Fuck Jack Thompson. Because you know what? I don't want to give him any more coverage than he, he than he's already taken up. Because let's face it, the guy, he's just an egomaniac and he just wants attention. He knows this is going to accomplish absolutely nothing other than getting his name out there. And I, I don't want to talk about him anymore. I agree. Let's move on to something a little more happy, shall we? Yes, and that is X-Men. As anybody who listens to our comics podcast knows, I am an absolute X-Men fan. And at this weekend's New York Comic Con, uh, God, and I can't even remember the name of the company that's publishing it because I'm an absolute loser. 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 Announced a new game, X-Men Destiny, coming out fall of next year. And developed by none other than Silicon Knights, the creators it's, of such games as Eternal Darkness and Too Human. By the way, it's Activision, same people that oh, made Spider-Man yeah. Shadow Dimension. Yeah, well, when they put the Silicon Knights name up there, that kind of overshadowed anything else associated <laughs> with it. Except one other name, and that is the writer for the game, Mike Carey who is the writer for the X-Men Legacy comic. And again, anybody that listens to our comics podcast knows that Roger and I absolutely love X-Men Legacy. It's probably one of the best, well, it's definitely the best X-Men book on the shelves right now and one of the best Marvel books that I've read recently. And uh, 
just bef- before you uh, chime in there, Joe, and one of the X-Men panels, Mike Carey had a quote about the direction that this game is going to take. And he says, becoming a mutant isn't a gift. It's a curse. And that is a very interesting theme for this game. And it could play out in any number of different ways. We don't know anything else about it at this point, but it's already definitely on my radar for next year. I absolutely love the X-Men. If it wasn't evident by the screen background that I have for my two monitors here of X-Men scaling across both of them, I absolutely adore them. I absolutely adore everything about the X-Men from way back when they were, you know, the 90s when I was really into the comics, minus the movies because the movies are, eh, but everything else has been pretty rock solid. I'm so looking forward to this. I think this has the potential to be absolutely ridiculously awesome. Also, I love the fact that they're actually getting comic book writers to participate in the creation of comic book video games. Let's look at the track record of video games that are huge successes as a direct result of this. Batman Arkham Asylum and Batman Arkham City, which will be a huge success in my opinion, hired on not only the one of the a writer of one of the Batman series for the comic books, but the original writer of the Batman animated series to do the writing for the video game, which produced an absolutely iconic script that screamed nothing but the character. Do the same thing with Spider-Man uh, Shattered Dimensions, which included such hefty people in hands in creation as Stan Lee. And you have an absolutely amazing game and script to surround the game. And now you're doing it again. Congratulations, Marvel. You may have fucked up every single movie you have ever made, but you're starting to make smart decisions right now with with stuff like X-Men Destiny. Hey, now Iron Man was pretty cool. Well, Iron Man, I, I Iron Man is probably the, the exception to the Marvel shit storm. Well, movies. we'll see uh, next year. But let, let's not get into that. This isn't a movies <laughs> podcast. It's a games podcast. But yeah, it, it's going to be very interesting to see exactly where they take this, because in so many X-Men games and, you know, any other parts of the media, it's all about how how great it is to, to be an X-Man. Everybody wants to be an X-Man. Well, not everybody wants to be an X-Man. A lot of the X-Men at one point or another didn't want to be X-Men, including, you know, such mainstays as Rogue, Beast and Angel. At various points, they all wanted to get rid of their mutant powers. So I think it's really cool that they said that the player is going to have some sort of choice in this game and uh, could be very interesting. So we're going to come into some back to the MMO side of things with our favorite game to talk about, Terra. They got a nice uh, article about the enhancement crystal system. And uh, we, we saw some of the enhancement crystals, how they're going to attach to your equipment, but uh, they're going to be act kind of more like glyphs and gems combined. So uh, they're going to enhance some statistics such as HP, MP, attack power, etc., as well as you know, the way your abilities work. So it's going to be a very interesting uh, dynamic there and how they say that the crystals can be randomly destroyed upon death or just flat out unequipping them um it's better than the ion system of you could blow up every single glyph in your gear every time you tried to attach one uh and you know you have to have some sort of penalty in place for people who want to uh, switch their glyphs back and forth I-, I can understand it we're gonna have to see how it actually works out in the game and before we get into the details uh what do you think there joe Honestly, um, I'm liking the fact that there's a penalty for it. And the reason I like that is because when we talk to the boys uh, that that are, you know, have their hands in the pot here that are actually making this game, um, 
the glyphs really define the character role. So especially hybrid characters, your glyphs and gems, these power crystals, these crystals that you choose are what allow you to specialize your character and to point it in a very solid direction as the healer or DPS or whatever the case is. So having a sort of penalty in order to swap that out because you're not going to be really worrying about too much about swapping gear out makes sense. I mean, right now in most MMOs switching to the gear, there's a sort of a time economy involved there. There's a certain amount of... Um, you know, you have to invest so much into it uh, in order to get the gear. So that's your your penalty right there. Whereas with this, if these are easy to obtain, which I have a sneaking suspicion that they're going to be um, or easier to obtain than, say, raid gear and being able to swap or define your role so well simply by. Uh, swapping out crystals or changing around a few things, there has to be some form of penalty. And I like the fact that they're doing that. Um, also, I really like the idea behind the entire system as well, because I'd rather carry around a few crystals. And it's easier in my mind to see a character carrying around a bag full of a few crystals than 14 sets of gear in a bag and saying, well, I'm going to go, you know, run around in the mountains and I have 15 sets of plate mail in my backpack. No, it's easier to say, well, I've got a bunch of these power crystals. Hold on, let me let me try to fuse them back into my gear. You know, that makes a little more sense to me. And it also seems a little more fantasy novel-esque, at least to me. You know, it's, it seems something more economical because if you're traveling, if you're an adventurer, you don't want to be weighed down by this shit. You're not carrying around pack animals full of just your gear to swap out on the fly. You can't just go to a bank at your leisure and, you know, extract your stuff or go back to your keep in between adventures and, and change your gear out because you're going to be facing something different. This is a lot better to me. It's a lot more intuitive, I think. Yeah, and uh, what's really cool is they show that there are some crystals that are just going to have traditional passive bonuses, increased damage, whatever. But they're also going to have conditional crystals that are going to offer larger bonuses than the passive ones, but only if certain conditions are met. Uh, looking at some of the basic ones they showed off, uh, they have the domineering ROM, which increases damage when you're attacking small monsters. Or the Acrimonious Cabacon, which increases critical damage when you're attacking boss monsters. And as well, the Dauntless Cabacon, which gives the character a chance to create a protective shield when they've been knocked down by a boss. I think this is really cool because it's getting into the, the Terra mindset of you really need to know what you're doing. You can't just walk in, hit some buttons, and be a superstar. You have to be prepared for various encounters as well as know what to do in those encounters. And I think that's a very uh, very nice detail for the game. Were there any other that stood out to you there, Joe? Actually, what really one of the things I wanted to comment on were the class specific. Oh, gems. yes. Now, this is it goes right along with the idea of knowing what you're doing. OK, if you don't know your class well enough, you don't know what you need to go into certain encounters. You're not going to know which ones to pick. But every single class is going to have gems that are specifically designed for that class. Lancers have their own. Warriors have their own. Slayers have their own. Berserkers have their own. Archers have their own. I mean, to give you an idea, Berserker, inc there's uh, one called Defiant Hexage. It increases damage when your HP is below 50%. Well, that screams Berserker to me if I've ever heard anything like that. But then we go down to Archer, who has Cruel Rom. The Cruel Rom damage increased when attacking a knocked down target. The Archer can supply a large amount of burst damage to a pinned down or stunned enemy. So, I mean, there, you can start also seeing how these gems, how these power crystals are going to start yeah, 
there's going to be strategy. <laughs> it's the best way to put it is like there's going to be strategy between classes. One class will knock him down. The archer is going to have his cruel ramen to, to start pumping out arrows to do extra damage on a, on a mom that's down or, or you know, vice versa. Or the healer is going to be knowing to keep the berserker below that 50% health mark, just like you used to do with berserkers in EverQuest with purple lining the tank. Proper healer would run that line and the damage would go up through the roof. So it forces people around you to know how to play their character well in conjunction with your character. So you get this whole different group dynamic, this whole different group strategy that starts developing simply by picking your class gems. Yeah, and it's it's so cool that some this tiny little article about this you know, relatively small aspect of the game has given us such an insight into how the game is going to play. A couple that stood out to me are uh, for the sorcerer, the glistening Cabacon, which gives them MP regeneration when landing a critical hit from behind the enemy. You know, this tells to me that even if you're a ranged character, you still have to be moving around. You can't just stand there and do your thing. You have to make sure you maintain certain distances and positions relative to the enemy. And one that I found pretty cool was the Fleetfoot Hexage for the Warrior, which increases their movement speed even while they're in combat. And they, they went on to explain that, you know, the Warriors are still going to be tanks in this game. As we saw, the Warrior is the dual wielding class, which is completely counter to what a warrior is normally portrayed at in an MMO. So I, they, but while they're still going to have a different gameplay style, they're still going to have a lot of those typical warrior roles, i.e. tanking, except they're going to function more as evasion tanks, more about drawing the attention and dodging the blows instead of absorbing them. And again, the small little article will give us such an insight into what the game is going to present us. Well, not only just the way the, the game is going to present us, but the way the classes are being developed and balanced as well. I mean, these gems really start to, to pinpoint the specialties of each class. Like we knew that each class was going to have different ways to choose specializations, but this is just awesome. These are the little cookies. These are the little, the little bones that you throw your players that you can infer a lot from, sure, but you look at it and the writing really is on the wall with these. So I'm I'm thoroughly impressed and I cannot wait to get my hands on, you know, beta access <coughs> hint. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's going to be coming sooner or later. Uh, but uh, talking about something that's actually in a beta right now and we're finally starting to get little tidbits of information trickling out. Still not a whole lot, but game trailers actually had a very nice series of videos uh, talking about the character creation in DC Universe Online. I know you're you're ju probably jumping up and down in your chair right now. Well, you can't be because we can't hear it over the microphone. But uh, <laughs> go ahead and give us some of this, Joe. All right. Now, one of the biggest things about any superhero game ever, and you've heard me go on and on about this, is the creation of the character. Character creation itself is so important origin, power origin, how your powers work, things like that. These are the identity of your character. And in a world full of superheroes and supervillains, how you define yourself is your uniqueness, how, how different your character is to everybody else. This is how Green Lantern is not mistaken for Sinestro, so to speak. Um, what we got here was a series of videos from game director uh, Chris Cow or K.O. Cow um, from DC Universe Online talking about the different types of power sets you can choose. Uh, each character class has different options for everything that they can pick. Also, on top of these different options, you can pick 
uh, archetype. You can pick a hero or villain archetype in order to follow. One of the coolest things I took out of the series of videos, we're talking about downloading the information of the archetype. So you can sit there and say, I want to be a Batman-esque character. And so then it starts importing the proper data that you would need to follow that sort of template. You can say, well, I want to be Catwoman and do the same thing. You can say, I want to be Lex Luthor and get the same thing. So it was kind of an interesting way to go about it because how many times have you loaded up a superhero game, Champions Online, City of Heroes, and said to yourself, I want to make myself Spider-Man or I want to make myself like, you know, Iron Man or whatever the case is. And it's really hard to pick and choose to get exactly what you want or somewhere close to it to use it as your model, as your paragon, so to speak. Here, you can very easily do that. Some of the cool things that we saw were, you know, like when creating a villain, they were able to follow the Joker model, which was complete with deformities and insanity and different weird wagginess like that. Um, I thought that was absolutely phenomenal. And I truly enjoyed that and one of the things that really stood out to me was the uh the size ranges for the characters you know we we have your typical you know standard hero size the the big mclarge huge uh hulk size and then they had sidekick size and i thought yep. that was really cool the I, Robin you know, spoiler it, size yeah. It, it's not it's not just, you know, a small person. No, this is like a teenager. You, you can create a teen Titan type character if you want it in the game. And that was really, really cool. And how um, when they get into the actual power selection, how uh, I forget how many different power. They said there were six different types of powers, six power from, sets, each one yes. with the sub, which each one with its own subdivision. So roughly 12 total. Correct. You know, the six basic power sets, uh, fire, gadgets, uh, super Nature. strength, what have you. And yeah. then each of those two then divides into two different types. Uh, the one they pointed out was the fire tree, how you can have ignition or immolation. Basically, do you want to set other things on fire or do you want to set yourself on fire and, you know, attack via those, those means? So I think it's really cool how even, you know, if you have two very similar characters, they can work in two very different different ways and the, the last part of that that really stood out to me was um we knew that you were going to have your power set and your weapon type and how the, those two were going to tie together in combat now they've they've talked about how your actual movement type is going to affect yes. into that as well if your personality or 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 flight oriented or a speedster how that is going to affect the various moves you can do in combat as well and i think that's really cool and a very very important thing to tie in because in city of heroes and champions online your movement powers were just that movement they were forms of travel they didn't really tie that well into the combat well as i said if you have a a a flying character with super strength, you can do a diving punch attack. Or if, if you have, you know, swords with super speed, you can run around a character and slash them up with, you know, a thousand tiny slashes. And that's a really, really important thing to, to make the heroes that much more heroic. I mean, we don't see Flash running at super speed to get to the villain and then punching him in the face. No, he uses his speed as his weapon. I thought that was very cool. Very comic book-ish as well. What, one of the other things that really struck out about me too, or about this to me, was the personality selection. Oh, yeah. After you pick whether or not you're going to be a hero or a villain, which, yes, you get that choice no matter what character you try to make, um, you get to choose the type of character personality, whether your character is flippant, silly, serious, the Boy Scout, and your character mannerisms change according to what you pick how your character stands idle how your character taunts how your character interacts with the world 
all changes based on you selecting a personality. And I think that is absolutely ridiculously awesome because very too often you sit there and, and we'll use wow as the classic example. You see two night elves standing next to each other. If they're the same gender, they're going to have the exact same idling. But if you see two same size heroes with the same type of costume, their mannerisms may be completely different. One may be kicking his heels up and just laughing at the world because he doesn't give a shit about anything because he's the Joker, Prince, whatever. And you may have another one that's all serious and broody and dark and controls all of his actions and just stays completely still. It's just, it's to have that sort of diversity, to have that sort of depth is intriguing to me because that's something I really wish the other superhero games would have had at this point. Yeah. And uh, one thing I do want to point out, though, and obviously this is still beta. There's still a lot of work to do. But one option that I would like to see in the character creation that I didn't see in these videos is a way to change the actual uh, musculature of your character. I mean, you can choose from the basic sizes, but there's no way to to have, you know, a thinner character or a thicker character. You know, if I make, uh, let's say, a Dr. Fate type character, somebody who's primarily a magic user. I don't want him having, you know, this super athletic build. And that's just something that at least at this early point from what I saw is missing from the game. And I really hope they add into it. I would I would imagine that they would considering that every other superhero game has let us do that with those. I would not be too terribly surprised for them to let us do the same here. Oh, not so. Now, the other cool thing about it, besides just the powers and the general character creation, was all the details that get to go into your character. You can choose all sorts of tiny little things like emblems on the chest, capes, how the cape flows, how the cape is clasped. If your character is asymmetrical, the colors of your character, whether or not you're going to be wearing a hood, whether you're going to be wearing a mask, whether you're going to be wearing face paint, whether you're going to have some form of scar. There's so many different things that allow you right now to, to customize your character in such a way that it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's those little tiny things, those little tiny bits of detail that they let the player get into that really make this uh, just even not even playing it, just watching it. I'm already excited. I'm starting to get very excited to get my hands on this and play it because I have a feeling that this will be the superhero game that at least from your character generation standpoint that I've always wanted it to be. Yeah, and as robust as that is, remember, they've said that's only the basic costume yes. options. There's going to be so much more that you can unlock as the game goes on. Now, the other thing, too, when you're carrying your character, you also choose your mentor. Right now in the beta, there is three mentors you can choose from for heroes and three for villains. Uh, Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman, I think, for heroes. And I think it's uh, Joker, Catwoman, and I can't remember what the other one was for the villains. But there's going to be more of those as well. And that also colors your experience as you enter the game like a defining feature that shows who your mentor is with wonder woman you get these it's almost like planets orbiting around you these little tiny ones um you get you know this sort of power aura around you when you're you know mentoring under superman and with batman you have this this sort of powerful stance of like, I don't give a shit, I'm going to break you. So, I mean, it's just kind of, it's kind of interesting to see too how the hero you choose to to work under really defines who you are as well because it's going to color your experience. Yeah, it's definitely some pretty cool stuff. And we all, we also got some extra details and dear God, I hope this is the last time in the history of our work here that we reference 4chan as a source. <laughs> but we actually got some very interesting gameplay elements from it as well. How uh, there, there's the various visual effects based upon your power type uh, that 
you know, a, a lot of other games have allowed you to completely customize the way your attacks look. Uh, DC seems to be focusing more on keeping everything in theme, which I can appreciate that, and how every attack style has a melee attack and a ranged attack. Even if you choose, you know, your swords or what have you, you'll still have ranged abilities just for obvious balance purposes. Uh, the melee moves are going to be the more powerful. They don't want you just standing back and annihilating your foes. Unless, of course, you're an archer, which seems to be the most powerful build out there right now. But I, I thought it was also cool that, you know, every attack is going to have a leap style ability that allows you to get into melee range. That's not going to be restricted by class. That's more of a combat style thing. Another cool thing to note about this and God, you know, forgive me for saying this, but 4chan really has been awesome for people breaking NDAs lately because the threads disappear so quickly. Um, but they're talking about one of the combat things about guarding. Um, mm -hmm. When your character goes into a guarding stance, not only do you lower the amount of damage you receive, um, which is it's in games like Champions Online gives you the option to guard, um, but it also reflects damage back at your attacker. And if an enemy is weak enough, you can just hold guard and watch them kill themselves. And to me, this kind of plays in the whole thing like Batman would flip around and, you know, use the their opponent's momentum against them. It, it just kind of, you know, the same way that like Spider-Man would. It just it kind of fits very nicely with the... Uh, with the, the whole superhero thing, like, yes, I can defend myself, but you're going to hurt yourself trying to break me, you know, and it's it's nice to see that there is a sort of um, a combo system as well. There's going to be unlockable special unlockable special finishers that you get um, that can perform after giving a specific hit um, in the in an occasional follow up attack that can be performed after any given finisher. Um, there are some exceptions to this, but for the most part, it's kind of interesting to see that there's going to be a combat combo system in this MMO. And not only that, but you really have to focus on the combos because if you just keep using the same attacks over and over again, you're going to run out of energy, whereas the combos are actually going to restore your energy, which, again, fits with the comic theme. You know, the, the, the better a hero is doing in the fight, the more power he seems to have. You know, if he's getting, you know, beaten down, you know, it's typical comic, you know, play story play, you know, it's if, it's if, a concept of momentum. Yeah. Very, very cool stuff so that you're actually going to have, again, like we saw with Terra, not hitting the same couple buttons over and over again. It, it's going to keep you involved in the combat. And it's definitely some really cool stuff to keep our eyes on for the future. Now, one thing I want to just touch about real quick, too, is the whole the bow combat thing. Now, we're talking about how it's like the most powerful right now. But ranged combat is so difficult to do right in a lot of games. We already heard about how Terra's doing an awesome job with the ranged combat and how it's absolutely flooring us. But this is kind of interesting to me, too. Um, in the original the original ranged superhero combat in Champions and City of, I'm sorry, City of Heroes, um, we didn't really have bows. We didn't have um, guns or anything like that. It was just basically power ranged. And bows are one of those things where it's a low-tech sort of interesting style of combat system in a high-tech super-powered world. It's what they, you know, refer to as the Ollie or, you know, the Hawkeye or whatever you want to call it. But it's interesting to me because you get a basic ranged attack that can be comboed indefinitely um, off of enemies until they're dead or you're out of combat, whatever the case is. And you get a lot of energy back from it. You get all sorts of weird trick shots, um, like area of effect shots that hit everybody within a certain range of the person you're targeting. Um, I'm wondering, too, if they're going to do some weird stuff with this, like give us the ability to have boxing glove arrows or freezing arrows <laughs> or, or shit like that, because those are those are comic staples and a very interesting style of combat. 
that when you're facing down, you know, titans of another world or whatever the case is. And it's also cool because it seems like they're capturing the sort of gameplay style that's necessary for ranged combat, too. It's fast and fun. If you're a ranged combat person, you're not just sitting there plucking arrows. You're constantly on the move, staying out of close combat because you're fighting a brute. If you're fighting a big guy, you're not going to be using your bow in hand-to-hand combat unless, of course, you're the green arrow and that, you know, you're just beast to begin with. But, you know, you're trying to stay at range. So be able to move and get these combos going. It really speaks to the fact that they're looking at this class and saying, this is a mobile class. We need to make sure that this is a mobile class. So I'm kind of I'm kind of cool with that. I kind of like that a lot. Yeah, I, I got to agree. It, it, it does seem to be shaping up to to be a very interesting game. I, you know, I, I still don't know if it's going to completely hold my interest, but I'm definitely going to give it a chance. So uh, we still got a few minutes here to, to spare. You said you had some uh, Final Fantasy stuff to talk about. I'm actually finding people that like it. What? Yeah, I know. Like sane people, people that, you know, can put their pants on correctly. Yes. Well, one's Canadian, but um, Uh. (laughs) but I mean, it's weird. Like I'm actually writing into more people that are actually enjoying it, which is strange to me because these are some people that hated Final Fantasy 11. What are they enjoying? I I don't know. I asked them specifically (laughs) what they're enjoying and nobody gives me a damn answer. So it's like they're sitting there like, oh, you know, I'm actually having fun. Well, what do you find about a fun? I don't know. You know, it's just like they've been brainwashed by like, you know, Square here somehow. They've drank the Kool-Aid when they bought the game. It came with an injection kit that they've spiked into their vein and then they're permanently under mind control. But yeah, it's weird. Like I'm actually finding people face to face, not just like some Yahoo on the Internet that really enjoy it for some reason. And, but the, all the same problems that we were talking about, all those problems are there. They just seem to not care. So yeah, I, I don't get it. I can definitely see where they're coming from because, you know, as as I've said several times, there is a lot to like in the game. It's just a matter of being able to experience it. And there's just so many fundamental issues I had with the game that, you know, prevented me from really enjoying the the, the beautiful environments and, and, you know, the great story. I that the fact that, you know, you can only do eight quests every I think they have it down to 36 hours now, but. You know, it just seems that they're restricting the gameplay so much. And one cool, well, not cool, geez, one horrible little detail that escaped me in the beta because I didn't play it enough to actually experience this was their repair system. How, uh, you know, obviously your gear has durability that, you know, it wears down, you have to repair it. You can go to an NPC and spend a crap ton of money repairing or you can find somebody to fix it for you or go through the god-awful process of leveling a crafting skill to fix it yourself. <sighs> okay. That in and of itself isn't too terrible, but it's the ways that your gear loses its durability. Your armor will lose durability while you're fishing and crafting. Not only will yeah. it lose durability, it'll lose durability faster by cooking at the side of the street than it will by fighting giant monsters. Oh, uh, cooking in serious business. Oh, obviously. I mean, those must be those the turnips, man. Those turnips, man. They, they hit so much harder than ogres. Haven't you, haven't you learned anything? Yeah, obviously, because I've beaten one for hours and still not been able to get any blood out of it. At least I can get some blood out of an ogre. It's just... I, that amazes me. That, that absolutely... I, I know there are people out there who are enjoying the game. I just didn't know anybody who had actually met one of these people. 
Yeah, and, and like it is, it's like the weirdest thing. Like all these little things that we take for granted in these other games are like their punishments here, you know, and to have people that like really enjoy it is is foreign and scary to me. So if you're in the audience and you enjoy Final Fantasy, you know, 14, I honestly want a reason why. Feel free, email, email me. It's loader at bowdowntous.com. L-O-D-U-R at bowdowntous.com. Let me know exactly why you enjoy Final Fantasy XIV. I'm just curious to have a valid reason instead of I don't know. Seriously, let me know. Yeah, uh, we, we, we are interested. And of course, we love our community. We have some great listeners out there. And uh, so that's going to wrap up our show. Uh, be sure to visit our website at bowdowntwist.com. Uh, leave iTunes reviews, all that cool stuff Roger normally talks about that I don't pay attention to at this point because I'm thinking about refilling my drink. And uh, tune in next week for uh, hopefully another an episode with all three of us. So, if in America we have turkey on Thanksgiving, what the hell do you guys have? Moose? Same thing. Moose. No. <laughs> Indeed. Was that somebody's stomach? Wow, that certainly wasn't mine because I'm full. What the hell are you doing? What? Somebody's Don't playing with me. Have we started yet? I'm allowed to do whatever I want to my microphone. <laughs> Somebody's a pretty bitch tonight. <laughs> All right, for those in the audience, stick around. We're going to be taking a short break. We're going to go fill our drinks, and we're going to come back with the lower edition. And I oh, yes. Longer than last week. That's what she said. Hey. Okay. <laughs>